Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now turn with me, please, to Philippians 4 and 4. While you're finding our scripture, let me say this. Can the Christmas song that we just sang over and over again last month, Joy to the World, can we continue the joy of Christmas? Long after the Christmas season is over, well into the new year and beyond. Can we, each day of this new year, savor the great joy that we felt at Christmas time? Beloved, God gave us a world of joys to get us ready for the time when joy would no longer be announced by angels, God gave us a joy that would surpass even the Christmas joy. Because, oh, think about how wrong and how sad when we stand before our great and wonderful God and feel nothing. Mm. Oh, but you feel something when you get a great big bonus check at the end of the year. You feel something because you just got accepted to med school. You feel something when you make the team or you've been awarded a scholarship or you just landed that big job and oh, don't get married or have a new baby. It's a boy. It's a girl. We feel happy when these great life shattering, altering experiences happen. Mm. Or when the doctor comes back and says, all the cancer is gone. These are some of our sweetest moments and fondest hopes that exceeded our wildest dreams. And our hearts explode with happiness. Life doesn't get any better than this. Mm. And most of us, I think, would agree that these Happy moments produce joy. But there are also other moments when nothing is right. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And then it even gets worse after that. And now your fondest hopes and wildest dreams are shattered into pieces at your feet. Those are the moments when your heart aches with bitterness of unfulfilled longings, broken promises, or grief so powerful it threatens to take us out of here. Now I ask the question, beloved, how is it that unhappy moments can rob us of our God-given Joy. Let's answer this question by going to our text. Philippians 4 and 4. Always be joyful because you belong to the Lord. I will say it again. Be joyful. Let us pray. Oh my God, our heart is so full. 
thank you. Thank you that you have given each and every one of us individual purposes. That's a blessing. That is a reflection of you. Purpose that you placed in us. We celebrate the diversity of the gifts and the charges and the purposes that even are represented in this fellowship today. Mm. Even the blessing of coming together and sharing all of those gifts that you have uniquely bestowed on us individually and now collectively we come together and as we fellowship together we represent as you look down beauty and and, and aroma oh God in the form of corporate worship we worship you our heavenly father that binds all of us together as one in spite of our differences, but in the beauty of our differences, God, we represent you. We're praying for a spirit of enhancement of these uniquenesses. Oh God, that there would not be comparing and competition, but oh God, we could be who you've called us to be, that we can use the gifts that you have placed in us. And now God, we pray for this word that your spirit has aided and help to prepare. We're praying that your spirit would blow up every word of the script. Oh God, that you would fill our hearts through the anointing of your spirit. We pray for those names that we called out on our prayer list. Those that have lost loved ones, those that are grieving, those that have anxiety and uncertainty as they move forward. God, give them your peace. God, cause them to see that if they have you, you are enough. We pray for everyone within the sound of my voice. Oh, God, that you would overshadow them with your presence. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Now, God, we pray for your servant. Let it be all of you and none of me. Oh, God, have your way in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray, O oh God, that your divine will will be done now, henceforth, and forever in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 4a, always be joyful. I would like to use for a topic this morning, always is enough. Always is enough. I think we would agree that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It's the emotion we feel when life is good, when the sun is shining, when our team is winning, when we are healthy, happy, and heartened. Most people do not typically speak of happiness and heartbreak. We don't speak of happiness or the pleasure of migraines or the bliss of losing a loved one. But according to the book of Philippians, we are to rejoice always. Philippians is the most joyful book in the Bible. The Apostle Paul uses the Greek words for joy and rejoicing 
16 times out of 104 verses in this book. And yet, when Paul penned this small New Testament epistle, he was writing from a dingy Roman prison dungeon. A place any of us would have associated with misery and sadness, which most people assume are the opposite of joy. So what is Paul so happy about? Let us first consider the objects of real joy. The reasons for joy, according to our text, Uh, Verse four and the challenges to joy. Number one, we want to look at joy in the Lord. And number two, we want to look at joy because of. And number three, joy in spite of. Joy in the Lord, joy because of, joy in spite of. So, Number one, we are looking at joy in the Lord. That's what Paul says. He commands us. He said, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled himself even unto the death on the cross. The father highly exalted him and all will one day pay homage to his universal reign. So rejoicing in the Lord means that these truths about Jesus, mm, what is true about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. Personally and profoundly, these things about Jesus should affect us, who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. What did he do? Jesus humbled himself even unto the death of the cross. The father highly exalted him. And what will he do? What will happen? And one day all will pay homage to his universal reign. So rejoicing in the Lord means knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It means Jesus gives us our deepest, purest, sweetest, lasting pleasure and gladness that anything else in the world has to offer. As Paul says in Philippians 3 and 8, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. So rejoicing in the the Lord means that there is a new song in our hearts. The song of the redeemed that the waves and distresses of this life cannot drown out. Jesus is the chief object of our joy. Paul rejoices in the Lord and he rejoices in God's people. Mm. He thanks God and prays with joy because of their gospel partnership. And he urges them, that is the people, to complete 
his joy. Paul calls these people my joy and crown whom I love and long for. Rejoicing in other people may seem like a shift from God-centered joy to idolatrous people-pleasing, but it's not. We rejoice in God's people for Christ's sake, celebrating the work that he has done in others is doing for and is doing for others and will bring to completion in and through others at that day in Jesus Christ. We rejoice when we see God open other people's eyes to behold the work and beauty of Jesus Christ when the gospel is preached. We rejoice when we see God answer the prayers of others for victory over sin, help in trials, healing from sickness. We rejoice when we see people maturing in their love, holiness, and knowledge of God. Beloved, we are so tempted to compare and compete our, ourselves with others that it's easy to become proud of our own accomplishments and relative success. We need humility to look to the interest of others and pray for their spiritual maturity and fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. Now let's look at number two, joy because of. We rejoice because Jesus has decisively delivered us from sin's penalty and one day will completely deliver us from its reality. We rejoice because of the good news of what Christ has done already for us. But Philippians also stresses the future, not yet reality of salvation on the day of Jesus Christ. We take heart that God will one day vanquish all opponents of the gospel and save his people. We eagerly await a savior who would transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. See, beloved, salvation and joy come together. I know I'm right in Philippians 1, 18 and 19, it says, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Why? I add, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Don't that sound like Job? You remember Job, Job 13? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He also shall be my salvation. Paul rejoices 
amid uncertainty. He rejoices even in unsavory circumstances because he knows that he, his Redeemer lives and he knows he belongs to the resurrected Christ. Therefore, he will not be put to shame on the last day. Paul's joy is unshakable because of the confidence in his future salvation, which completely reframes what he is going through right now. That's how he's able to sit in a prison dungeon and say, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. His joy is not anchored in the prison. His joy is anchored in the Lord of his salvation, Jesus Christ. If you only experience joy on your best days, you have not really tasted real joy. See, we tend to think of joy as a fleeting feeling that comes and goes with ups and downs of life. But real joy is strong enough for the realities of life, all of life. Paul's future gives perspective on his current struggles. In other words, our present sufferings are not even worth holding up in comparison with the glories that shall be revealed in us. Paul calls us to rejoice in the Lord always, which includes our third point, joy in spite of painful trials. The Bible teaches us that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And that our weeping may one day turn into joy. Please note here, we have a pattern of suffering set by Jesus Christ. His pattern of suffering and then glory is in some sense the script for our lives as well. For Christians, our Savior has already died and rose again victorious. Yes, but we have not yet experienced the fullness of our resurrection hope. I don't care how many rules you can keep or how good of a person you are. You have not experienced the fullness of your resurrection hope of things to come. Yes, we are new creatures in Jesus Christ, but we still live in a fallen world marred by sin, growing, groaning, groaning, waiting for full redemption. Therefore, it is Christian joy that is the great pleasure and happiness that we feel. We, this world can't give us joy. Joy only comes as a fruit of the Spirit. And the joy that the Spirit gives us remains constant. 
whether the sun is shining or whether it's cold and rainy, whether my team is winning or whether my team is losing, whether I'm healthy or whether I'm hurting. Why? Because our Redeemer lives and He is my salvation. Why? Because we belong to Him. Why? Because He is making all things new. Beloved, when we encounter the in spite ofs of life, We tend to complain and lose sight of our all-sufficient Savior. We act like the children of Israel who grumbled in the wilderness just a few days of being delivered out of Egypt. Philippians calls us to rejoice in the Lord always and always is enough. Mm. Always, that all at once so inspiring word, always, therefore, always must be possible. Mm. In Christ, we never have to be without genuine happiness, and yet we lose our joy so often. We lose the very joy that God commands us to flow through us. So now you want to know why. Why is Paul repeating himself? Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Paul knew. Paul knew how hard always joy would be. Mm. But always joy was Paul's personal testimony. Paul could say always because he had suffered so much. He could say always because he had learned to be content no matter what his circumstances were. He could say always even though he wrote this book from a dark, lonely, and painful place. Beloved, never settle for a God who cannot satisfy you in a prison cell. Even if you feel like you are bound up in prison right now with your circumstances that you are trying to move forward and cannot. Don't lose your joy. I know it's not easy, but we all can learn the secret of always joy. None of us is born or even reborn with always joy. So how do we get always joy, to rejoice always. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Matthew 5 and 4, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Listen to me. Jesus is saying, you are blessed. While at the same time, you are grieving and 
said, oh my gosh, how and where does always rejoicing fit in with grieving and sadness? Mm. What is Jesus saying? Let's, let's go to another scripture where Paul is speaking to shed some light on what Jesus is saying. In Romans 12 and 15, Paul said, weep with those who weep. And then Paul goes on in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, where he says, we grieve, but not like the world grieves, not grieving without hope. In other words, all of these texts assume that there are good reasons for tears and sorrow. Yeah, but my pain there may be good reason, but my pain is real and my pain really hurts and my pillow is soaked with tears. So again, I ask how and where does always rejoicing fit into the pain of this life? The answer to our question is presented in the relationships between joy and sorrow. One is that sorrow and joy happen sequentially. Mm. The other is sometimes joy and sorrow happen simultaneously. For example, Psalms 30 and 5 says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalms 126, 5 and 6 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouts. So we have weeping and then we have joy. We have tears and then we have shouts of joy. That's sequential. First one and then the other. (laughs) But on the other hand, our text says today, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Even though a few verses earlier, Paul was referring to his own tears over the enemies of the cross. Mm. I think if we were to press Paul on how this could be, Paul would tell us to turn to 2 Corinthians 6, 8, and 10, where he said, We are treated as beaten and unknown, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That is simultaneously. In other words, even though there are manifestations of sorrow and joy, and neither sorrow and joy look like the other, yet they are sequential and simultaneous. One follows the other. In other words, in the presence of sorrow and joy. I said it's sequential and it's simultaneous because joy is like a great boulder 
boulder on a rocky coast. Go with me now in your imagination. A huge boulder near the waterfront on a rocky coast. Mm. And it depends on the rising of the water. The boulder can either rise above the surface of the sea or the boulder can be submerged beneath the waves of the sea. But either way, the boulder is always, always, always there. The boulder of joy, it never ceases to be what it is. You may not be able to see it, but it is always there. A rock of joyful confidence in the word of God. Whether the rock is above the water or beneath the water, it is miraculously real, steadfast, and solid in the face of whatever you are going through, even death. It is always there. Do not believe the lie. That joy will come only when the clouds in your life are finally clear and the sun shines through. Don't settle for a religion or a God that cannot promise joy even in your darkest and difficult days. If you rejoice in the Lord, you never have to be without happiness. And real joy again. (laughs) It takes more than human courage to rejoice when you're being mistreated. Mm. Especially when you're in prison. (laughs) Or when you can't defend yourself. Where was Paul's rock anchored? Philippians 1, 20 and 21, Paul says, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul could have joy in life or death. He could have joy in affliction and persecution. He could have joy even when he's facing the unknown because Paul lived and died for Jesus Christ and nothing and no one could take that joy from him because his faith, hope, and joy were firmly rooted in the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. The worst things that might happen to him could only ultimately serve him because if God is for us, who could be against us? Knowing Christ gave cause for rejoicing even in death. Prisons may have kept Paul from speaking and preaching to crowds, but that only amplified the joy because he could still preach 
where he was and spread the gospel. Adversaries may have made Paul's circumstances miserable, but his gladness in God engulfed any short-lived Misery, Satan threw everything imaginable at Paul, beaten with rods, stoned almost to death, shipwrecked and stranded, attacked by robbers, left without food and shelter, suffering danger from every direction, but yet Paul rejoiced, beloved, to have more joy in suffering than you even experience in peace and comfort. We have to want Jesus more than we want anything else. Paul didn't choose joy in Christ because he couldn't find joy anywhere else. Paul had tasted success. He was popular, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, the most zealous, blameless, and recognized leader in the human, in the Hebrew community. But he surrendered that kind of life so that he could give his life to Jesus Christ and considered all of his past accomplishments as dung. Philippians 3 Seven and eight, whatever I gained, this is Paul, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And finally, beloved, how? I ask you this question. How do we guard the joy? And I'm almost done. That we have found in God. We can't and we won't. At least not on our own. Two verses after saying rejoice in the Lord again, and again I say rejoice, Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, anything that might hinder or compromise your joy in the Lord. But in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beloved, we preserve the joy we have in God by asking God to guard it. We pray because the joy we have in Christ will be perpetually under assault by Satan, sin, and temptation, by suffering, by life in a world still enslaved to corruption. We need someone stronger than all those forces combined to guard what we have in God. We need God himself to guard our happiness in God. We must pray. But not just any prayer. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in 
everything by prayer and supplication. Listen to me. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The kind of prayer that thwarts anxiety and strengthens our joy presses in on gratitude. Paul brings all three of these together, joy, thanksgiving, and prayer. Together, he could say, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. A sure way to combat the enemies of our joy is to relentlessly give thanks to God for all of the graces, large and small, in our lives. Thank you that I woke up this morning. Thank you that you brought me through another year. Thank you that you protected my child, oh God, in the face of police brutality. Thank you that you protected our grandchild in the face of being shot so many times. Thank you that you preserved my health. Thank you that you did not let my foot fall. Thank you, oh God, that you kept me when I could not keep myself. Thank you for in you we live, move, and have our being. Thank you for being with us. The Lord is at hand. Philippians 4 and 5. He is near to those who rejoice in him. He will provide us with indescribable peace in the midst and comfort in the midst of whatever we're going through. So take heart, beloved. Wait yet a little while longer, whatever you're waiting on, and begin to thank God. Thank him for the good that you can see right now. Get rid of that bad attitude and pray to God to keep you until joy. Hallelujah. That boulder is trying to surface above the water and the waves. Keep praying and praising God while your joy is becoming full. If you have not received Jesus Christ, oh, I love him today. Hallelujah. (laughs) If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to do so now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry and I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give my life to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day 
in a way that pleases you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, please contact me at 231-349-1046 so I can discuss with you the first steps of salvation. God bless you, beloved. Philippians 4. Amen. Philippians 4. Amen. Praise God. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. All right. Philippians 4 and 4, Jan. Philippians 4 and 4. You got it now? Okay. I said it enough, didn't I? Okay, God bless you. Yes, that's all right. Ooh, it's good, it's good, it's good. We got Sandra Grady on. Welcome. I love you, Sandy. Praise God. Thank you. Ray Craighead, amen. Communion. Oh, oh my God. I can't believe it. I don't know what I'd do without everyone. Mm, I got communion in my purse. What should I do? Somebody tell me what to do. I got to get my other service. Do it. Do, do it. Do it. Do it. All right. All right. Yeah, those that are left, I'm so sorry. Right. God's still good. God's still faithful. Amen. Yes, Lord. 